0: You got to the place where you were finding yourself bored because you had already done good work, right? Mm-hmm. You thought, okay, now I can do something else. Mm-hmm. For me, I wasn't even accomplishing something good. I just thought I could do what they're doing. Like mm-hmm. when I had that mentor that, that looked at me and said, Dave, you're not even a good teacher. And I know that because nobody's talking about you. Well, they're talking about you, but they're talking about what an arrogant beep, beep, beep you are. Mm-hmm. Nobody's saying, well, you're an amazing teacher. I just simply thought i don't know i could forget about teaching because i'm going to be an administrator or when i was a principal i was i stopped serving because i was constantly trying to chase the next thing and i wanted to be seen as a district level leader and i oftentimes forgot about the people that were right next to me Mm -hmm. i was always looking up as opposed to looking next to me
1: your choice to begin and continue working in education should not be taken lightly But how do you manage it all while keeping that fire burning bright so you can show up in your classroom and in life as your best self every day? That's what this show is all about. Welcome to the Burned In Teacher Podcast. I'm Amber Harper, classroom teacher, author of Hacking Teacher Burnout, and with more and more teachers quitting the profession or accepting hashtag teacher misery as their forever reality, I step in as your teacher burnout coach to help you take your next best steps to creating a happier and more fulfilled career and life. Now, let's take one more step forward and out of burnout together so we can burn on, shall we? Let's go. Hey, hey there, Burned In Teachers. Welcome into episode 182 of the Burned In Teacher podcast. I'm your host, Amber Harper, and as always, I am so, so grateful that you decided to spend some time with me today and with my friend, Dave Schmidow. Um, You heard his intro here at the beginning of this podcast, and I don't know about you, but it gives me chills. It, I, I can relate so deeply to the topic of discussion today um, in our interview that I'm going to share with you, and it's all about ego. It's all about swallowing pride. It's all about keeping focus on the focus. And I am telling you what, as someone who is always moving the goalpost, who always wants to do better, who always wants to serve harder, it is so good for me to hear the message that Dave came on the podcast to share with us today. Now I'm going to introduce you to my friend Dave here in just a second, but before we do that, I want to let you know what's coming up on the Burned In Teacher podcast for this summer. And I need to let you know now because there's a little bit of preparation involved for you. During the months of June, July, and the beginning of August, I am going to be hosting a free Hacking Teacher Burnout book club on the podcast all summer. So starting on June 3rd, we are going to open up this Hacking Teacher Burnout book club with talking about the introduction and getting yourself set up for success to not just read the book over the summer, But take the actions that you need to take in order to start the new school year in August or September with a completely renewed sense of self and ready to take on anything. So you don't have to register. You don't have to go to a certain page to sign up. This is totally free and I'm hosting this here on the podcast. There is, however, some preparation that you need to do to prepare and set yourself up for success during the summer while we're doing this book club. And that is two things. Number one, you've got to go to Amazon and get yourself a copy of Hacking Teacher Burnout. You can go to Amazon or barnesandnoble.com. We'll have some links in the show notes of this podcast episode so you can grab that book as soon as possible. As well as jumping into TPT to get a copy of the Hacking Teacher Burnout Book Study Guide. This is a brand new TPT resource that we just released on TPT just a few weeks ago as I'm recording this. And this resource was created to help to guide you through these action steps that you truly have to take if you are going to tackle your teacher burnout over the summer. So, just two things get the book. Get the Hacking Teacher Burnout Book Study Guide on TPT, and you can go ahead and start diving in on your own right now. This episode is releasing in May. We're going to get started in June. You can start diving in if you'd like, or if you want to wait until June, that's okay too. Each week over the summer, I'm going to have a short but sweet episode dedicated to helping you to move through this book and take actions that maybe you've never even thought about taking before so you can navigate your way out of burnout. So again, this starts June 3rd and we hope that you will join us. All right. Now that that's out of the way, I'm excited to introduce you to my friend Dave Schmidtow. He has served the K through 12 space for 25 years, having positions from teacher, assistant principal, athletic director, principal, assistant superintendent, and college professor. He is the 2014 Michigan Administrator of the Year and the 2018 College Educator of the Year, but his greatest accomplishment is playing the role of dad to his four incredible kids. I am so excited for you to hear this episode. It is really going to help you to be more self-reflective. And as you know, I truly believe that self-awareness is one of our biggest superpowers. So without further ado, let's dive into my interview with Dave Schmidt. I'll see you inside. Well, hey, Dave. Thanks so much for joining us here on the Burnin' Teacher Podcast.
0: Absolutely. So excited.
1: Yeah. So we you may not know this, listeners, but Dave and I actually met a week ago (laughs) previous to this interview, and he interviewed me for his podcast. So same same time, same place almost.
0: I I feel like we're besties now. I I just have a a (laughs) holding spot on my calendar now for once a week hanging out with Amber. I love it.
1: (laughs) I love it. I love it. So, Dave, for those teachers that don't know anything about you, will you tell them a little bit about you um, as a person, as an educator, and anything outside of that that you'd like to share?
0: Yeah, feel free to to cut me off at at any time because I've been around (laughs) the block a little bit. So I've been in education for for close to 25 years now. Um, In that time, done just about every job. Started off as a middle school teacher back in the late 90s. Uh, The 1990s, for those of you that weren't alive back then, but um, I was a 90s (laughs) kid. I was there. All right. There you go. All right. (laughs) So I started teaching uh, back in the late 90s and then quickly uh, went through the ranks of athletic director, assistant principal, dean of students, middle school principal, elementary principal, assistant superintendent, college professor, really did all of the things in in my time. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A couple of years ago, though decided to to make the shift. I was working with people really from coast to coast and didn't have a, a lot of time to devote to the people I was rubbing shoulders with every single day. So I decided to to transition. And now full time, I work with educators all over the place on a variety of things from uh, strategic leadership for administrators down to classroom engagement and assessment with classroom teachers. Um, absolutely love what I do and who I get to work with with. On the personal side, father mm-hmm. of four kids. My oldest is a junior in high school. My youngest is in second grade. I've got a fourth grade little boy as well, and a middle school daughter, incredible wife that holds everything together and keeps us all in check.
1: Wow, that's incredible. Four kids and and working education and doing the work that you do. That, that's a lot. That's a lot.
0: I, it it is a lot. Yes. Yeah. I, I should have also said I've got a fully stocked liquor cabinet. Yeah. Um <laughs> I, I was just gonna
1: ask you what you do for fun, but I guess yeah. you just answered that question. Yeah,
0: I, I run in the mornings and drink at night, and that's what yeah. keeps me going.
1: Great, perfect combination. Yeah, there you go. <laughs> all right. So I want I ha- I have to ask first, like with all of your background and your different roles in education. Did any of those shifts in your roles, did it come from you being burned out at all? Or do you have, you know, this is the burned in teacher podcast. So I have to know, you know, did you ever have uh, a round of burnout that caused you to make any of those changes or, or, or did you not? Were you, have you just been smooth sailing, you know, all 25 years?
0: No, I I think, you know, as as I reflect back on it, yes. Mm -hmm. Uh, But there's also this extra layer that I want to make sure I'm fully transparent about. A lot of those transitions, a lot of those moves didn't necessarily come because I was feeling burned out at the time, mm-hmm. but because I was feeling like super arrogant in the moment. Mm-hmm. I I I was constantly chasing greener grass, constantly thinking that I needed to do something different and something better, and that I could do it better than everybody else. I mean, to the point of after my first year teaching, first year in the classroom, I decided that I wanted to become a principal because I looked around me and thought, thought I could do this better than everybody around me. They don't know what they're doing. And so after my first year as a teacher, I went off and started pursuing my master's degree. Got my master's after about two and a half years as a classroom teacher. After my third year teaching, I went on 16 job interviews to become an administrator. Didn't get a single second interview for any of them. Um, You would have thought I would have been reflective. I would have looked at myself in the mirror and said, what did I, what am I doing wrong? How come I'm not ready? But I just got super stubborn and thought, these people don't have any idea how great I am. These guys are idiots. Mm -hmm. So I said, I'm going to go to law school and become a lawyer that sues school districts because of their incompetence. And I did that. I went to law school. Um, Long story short, met some mentors that grabbed me by the collar and said, Dave, you're not even a good teacher yet. There's no way you can be a good leader. So I doubled down to try to do the best I could in the classroom. And then doors started opening and I started um, transitioning because of ability but it started off truly from this place of just sheer arrogance, uh, this place of thinking I knew it all. And then truly when I became an administrator, a lot of that carried with me where I felt like it was my responsibility to have all the answers at all times to all the things. Because if I didn't, there's no way I'd be able to get the next promotion. Mm-hmm. And uh, thank God I'm at a place now where I can slow down and reflect and say, man, what a shame. I, I, yeah. I could have been so much better for the people I was serving. And I missed out on a lot of amazing opportunities as a result.
1: I am. I, I really appreciate you being super honest about this reflective practice that you've done. I relate to it myself because that's how I felt when mm-hmm. I was at my first school district before I left the first time. And I don't mean just leaving that district, but leaving education. I left, as you know, twice. And um, I was super arrogant. I thought I could do all of the jobs better than anybody else. and that I, that was part of my burnout. I mean, I was, I was burned and bored and I can hear like, I can hear twinges of burn and board being that like, mm-hmm. all right, I'm ready for the next challenge. Okay. I'm ready for the next thing. And for all of us overachievers, those people who are futuristic and are always moving that goalpost, Like I have heard this in, in so many people's personalities where, okay, I've done this now I'm ready for the next thing. That was totally me. And I was burning myself out just with those those arrogant thoughts. So I I know that there are some teachers that are listening to this that can totally relate to that.
0: Right. And I think, you know, one of the things that I think maybe separate you you and I is you got to the place where you were finding yourself bored because you had already done good work, right? Mm -hmm. You thought, okay, now I can do something else. For Mm me, I wasn't even accomplishing something good. I just thought I could do what they're doing. Like, mm-hmm. like when I had that mentor that, that looked at me and said, Dave, you're not even a good teacher. And I know that because nobody's talking about you. Well, they're talking about you, but they're talking about what an arrogant beep, beep, beep you are. Mm-hmm. Nobody's saying, well, you're an amazing teacher. I just simply thought, I don't know. I could forget about teaching because I'm going to be an administrator. Or when I was a principal, I was, I stopped serving because I was constantly trying to chase the next thing. And I wanted to be seen as a district level leader. And I oftentimes forgot about the people that were right next to me. Mm-hmm. I was always looking up as opposed to looking next to me.
1: Yeah. So I have to ask, cause I know you're an author of five books. Um, <laughs> was bold humility your first book?
0: Um, no, um, actually it's, it was the, the one that probably slapped me across the face more than anything else. Mm-hmm. Um, I, the first book I wrote came out oh, 15 or 20 years ago, actually it was, um, a novel that I just wrote, just okay. sitting at home in my home office, didn't have kids, or I, I had one newborn at the time. Mm-hmm. Then I wrote another book really exploring student engagement called It's Like Riding a Bike, and the idea was learning has to result in doing, otherwise it's wasted learning. But right. Bold Humility was that book when I, for the first time, started looking myself in the mirror and started to realize, wow, um, humility is actually what drives change. Transparency is what allows you to lead. And it's when I started going through that reflective process that I started putting my thoughts down on paper. And it, it led to that the book and to where I am now.
1: Yeah. And that's really why I wanted to have you on the podcast, because as I was listening to interviews that you have been on and listening to your podcast and, and your perspective, I thought this is so perfect because we have someone who's been in all of these roles and who has self-admittedly had a very big ego that really, really you hurt yourself and your own future at one time. And that's something that I feel so strongly about is that in order for us to move through this burnout, we have to first be self-reflective and to identify if you are, in fact, making things worse for yourself. And I can say that with confidence because that's what I was doing. I was I had zero self-awareness my first probably eight, nine, maybe even 10 years of teaching. And I blamed everybody else for every problem that I had. And I certainly wasn't the problem. But I know now what I know now is that that was total BS. I was definitely contributing contributing to some of the problem. Right. So I asked I I asked you before we jumped on this interview a couple of questions. Um, I asked you, you know, what are some key points that we could talk about and help teachers to realize, um, to help them if they are feeling like they are stuck, um, either in um if they're stuck, like they want, they want to have that upward mobility, but nothing's happening or they're stuck. They want to see change, but they're not seeing that happen. So you mentioned that, um, teachers should remember that their voice matters. And the best way to drive change is to ask questions and not preach from the mountaintop. So do you have a specific example of how you have learned that lesson in your own life, um, or how other people can kind of bring that practice into, into theirs?
0: Yeah. Where do I begin? Right. Um, So I'll tell you an anecdote about my own life and a a personal story that might paint the picture a little bit. And it's going to start off from a place of arrogance. So in 2014, I was named the Michigan Administrator of the Year. And as a result of that, I got the opportunity to start speaking a lot of places and traveling quite a bit and met somebody that ended up offering me a position to move to Florida and work in what they called a turnaround school in the state of Florida. Uh, Florida is a school is a, is a state where every school is ranked a through F and the school that I was, um, asked to take over was a school that would have been ranked F for 18 consecutive years. Mm-hmm. I thought I can simply just bring all the things that worked for me in Michigan, plop them into this school that I'm going to be taking over and everything's going to be magic. I mean, I'm Dave Schmidto, Michigan's administrator of the year. I can do it. Rinse and repeat. So I just tried to do this plug and play operation of putting practices and practices and practices and protocols in place. And nothing was working. As a fact, the people that I was working with at that new school in Florida looked at me and thought, who are you, you little arrogant Yankee? You don't know anything about our school. You don't know our kids. You don't know our community. You don't. And I was meeting resistance for the first time. Not only was I failing, but I was truly meeting resistance. Because I would come at them and I would just preach, you don't understand, this worked up in Michigan. You don't understand, this worked in Michigan. You don't understand, this worked in my little suburban school in Michigan, it's going to work here at this urban school in Florida. And it wasn't working. Mm -hmm. It got myself to to the place where I was literally in a hallway crying one day, superintendent found me and had to counsel me and explain to me that, yeah, I had all the practices, I had all the protocols, but I had forgotten about the people. Um, to the place where I couldn't even list some of my teachers' first names on a sheet of paper. I knew that they were Mr. or Mrs. So-and-so, but I didn't know their first names. Mm -hmm. I didn't know if many of them were married. I didn't know if any of them had kids. Like, I I didn't know them as people. I saw them as pawns in my game. And when I got to that place where I was able to recognize that they were people, and I could start championing for them and recognizing that they were truly the experts and truly bringing their voice into the conversation and not just treating them like little pawns in my game of being Dave, the savior, that's going to come fix this school. That's when real change happened.
1: Mm-hmm. When
0: I started bringing teachers together, think, I think I think it's the leader's job not to make all the decisions, but to put the right people around the table to make the decisions. Mm-hmm. When I started focusing on bringing the right people around me and allowing their voices to be amplified, and then I simply became a megaphone for all the things that they needed, true change happened. And we were able to turn that school around we were a school that had forty percent turnover with teachers when I got there. Every year, forty percent of teachers were leaving. By the time we left, we were zero. People wanted to be there. People wanted to stick around because they recognized that their voice mattered. They came together as one of those cliches that, as a family, but a family that disagreed with each other that would scream at each other. But a dysfunctional they would love each family. Other. Absolutely. Yeah. But they came, they came together. It was them against the world, and they made it happen.
1: That's fantastic. So again, I really appreciate you sharing that that learning with us, you know in that moment where you did have to have that turnaround and that conversation with your with your superintendent. there are a lot of I don't think there are a lot of people out there that would be again that that humble and to say like, wow, like I really messed up, but that is such an important part of this process to admit when you need to change as well. so and and obviously that benefited everybody in, involved.
0: Well, it's it's still a struggle, right? It's yeah, I I would be completely fake if I said, oh, I'm a completely different person. I mean, yes, I'm a different person, but we're all different every single day. But I still carry a lot of that baggage, right? We joked early on that we're talking once a week now. (laughs) When we spoke last week, I was sitting in the same seat and I was wearing a hat and I was talking to you. What your listeners might not recognize or know is that anytime I talk to somebody that's not in my family, I always wear a hat. Mm -hmm. Why do I wear a hat? It's to hide the bald head underneath it because it's, it's a, in my head, it's a weakness that I have to try to cover up. Yeah. And I think that there's a lot of us that live our lives with proverbial hats on our head where we live this facade. We don't want people to see the mistakes and the errors and the imperfections that we perceive. So we try to cover them up and mask them somehow. And that's, that's what I had done for 15 years of my career is I walked around with hats on covering up everything so that people couldn't see the thing that they could all see. Right. Right. Um. And I'm at the place now where, yeah, I, I'm still wearing a hat. But every once in a while, I it creeps up, and you can see a little glimmer of the dome. <laughs> um. And that's and that's kind of what I'm doing as as just as we're talking, I'm starting to let people in to see those flaws, to see those mistakes, so that they can feel encouraged to do the same thing.
1: Yeah. So I'm getting like two sides of this of this first uh, hot topic that we're talking about, and that is that your voice matters, but. Teacher's voices matter. So for, if you're mm-hmm. a leader listening to this podcast episode and you have been, you know, coming up with all of the answers and, you know, you feel <laughs> like, you know, everything, like listen to your teachers. They, they know what is going on in the depths of, you know, your, your challenges in your school.
0: Right. Am I hearing that and right? I'll, I'll, you're hearing it spot on. And I'll geek out a little bit for our administrators that re- Need data and best practice to prove anything, right? Mm-hmm. John Hattie, he's been the guy in education for 15 years now, did the meta-analysis where he explored 200,000 classrooms all over the place to try to figure out what works. Yeah. We we talk about all the, the 250 things and the effect sizes of all of them. But what we often gloss over is in I believe it was in chapter two where he identified that 95% of the decisions that teachers make on a regular basis are good for kids. Mm-hmm. So I want you to hold on to that. 95% of the things that teachers do on a daily basis are good for kids. And it's low hanging fruit for us to say, but what about the other 5%? Well, unfortunately, administrators, the other 5% tends to be the stuff that you make them do. So mm-hmm. when teachers are allowed to do the stuff that matters most, and we allow them to carry the weight in the room, they're doing good stuff. Yeah. One of my biggest mistakes, again, my name is Dave Schmidto, but one of my biggest mistakes was I tried to spend all my time creating itty bitty schmitties when I was an administrator trying to get people to do things the way that I did them because it worked for me. And I think there's a lot of administrators out there that are doing the same thing. They think, I'm an administrator because of how good I was in the classroom. So just do it as I did it and you'll be fine. Uh, I'm here to tell you, there are a lot of people leaving education today because they don't want to be you. They want to be them.
1: Yeah. Oh, truth bombs. I did, this is awesome. And I, like I was going to say, there are there are two sides of this of this topic. And the other side is, is that know as a teacher that your voice does matter. Yes. And maybe, you know, and you may or may not know this, Dave, but, you know, burn in teacher is not about keeping teachers in the classroom. It's not about mm-hmm. getting teachers out of the classroom. It's about helping you to make healthy, clear decisions about what your next step is for your overall well being, fulfillment, and happiness. And if you feel like your voice doesn't matter and you've asked questions like you suggest and you're getting nowhere, maybe that specific leader in that building isn't the one for you. And maybe it is time for you to seek a leader that is willing to listen to what you have to say. Would you agree with that?
0: Oh, a thousand percent. Right. Yeah. And, and I want to be be clear on this, too. When When we say asking questions. We have to ask questions in, in the right way, the right, right. space and the right time. You don't want to be that person yes. at every staff meeting where everybody's ready to go that says, hey, I have one more question. Why are we doing any of this? Because yeah. you'll never get headway.
1: No. you got to
0: ask questions that allow people to, to save space and save face.
1: Right. And when you do that, seeking if you to understand, right?
0: Absolutely. But mm-hmm. if you and if you get to that place where you're like, this still isn't working. Again, your questions are to understand. And one of the understandings you might walk away with is, okay, my talents could be used elsewhere. That's when you got to pull LeBron and go take your talents to South Beach. And that's okay. You can still be the greatest scorer in history
1: by moving on somewhere else. Right right oh thank you so much for that so the second thing that you are bringing to the table as you know you are you are known as this disruptor of education is to identify the hill you will die on so mm-hmm. sometimes our voices get silenced if we have too many opinions so focus on the focus i think this is the perfect lead in from our you know the topic we just finished so tell us what you mean by identify the hill you'll die on
0: right so let me just talk about again what what i do um a, a friend of mine Lavana Roth, I don't know if you're familiar with her work or not. Lavana is an absolutely amazing educational coach consultant. She she helps teachers elevate their voice. And she's helped me tremendously as well because she has told me that nobody wants to be, nobody needs to be a jack of all trades. When they pick up the phone and say, hey, we're going to talk to Dave Schmidt, they want to know what it is that Dave Schmidt does. And it's the same thing in classrooms or in schools in general, right? As, as an administrator, I want you to be able to tap into your strengths, your passions, your curiosities. I don't want you to be a person that complains about literally everything because majors then that becomes, and minor things. That's it. Because now I know that that is your gift is that you're going to complain about everything, which means when you start talking, I can tune you out mm-hmm. because all you do is you complain. Your biggest issue is with me, not necessarily the message. So when I say choose your hill, choose the thing. What is the thing that you need to amplify up on? What is the thing that you need to dig in your heels on? Because that's the thing that you're passionate. That's the thing that you're curious about. That's the thing I need to learn from you. So identify what that thing is. What's the thing that really drives you and makes you tick? Mm
1: -hmm. I can relate to what you're saying so much because with me, with my background and what I've learned and what I do outside of being a kindergarten teacher, I have learned so much about your delivery. And mm-hmm. how you approach um things that you strongly you, you feel strongly about or things that you you know feel icky about and you you know you would need to have these conversations with your administration and one thing for me is the use of the science of reading to teach kids how to read and it's all been exposed recently with you know sold a story if you've listened to that podcast mm-hmm. yet have you mm-hmm. listened to it I have oh my gosh it it just it I had already seen the the need for change in our phonics instruction just from being, I, I've taught for 14 years, but never been a kindergarten teacher, never literally taught kids you know, their alphabet. And last year when I was a first year teacher here, I was like, I'm not trying to make waves here. I'm brand new to this school, but this is not okay what we are using to teach phonics. Like I'm not teaching the kids the letters or sounds or anything. Like how am I going to expect them to read So I, you know, took it upon myself again, like you said, 95% of the things that we do are good for, good for kids. Mm -hmm. I went out and I did some research, like how should I be teaching kids to learn to read? And the science of reading kept coming up over and over and over again. And so I just went for it. And this year now, since, you know, this was before that podcast came up and friends, we will, uh, log, we will, uh, link the podcast episode in, um, we'll link that podcast series in the show notes here. I would definitely give it a listen. Um, Now this year things have come up and I've been gently just putting in little, just little specks of my opinion um, here and there where it was warranted. I never, where Amber, you know, 10, 12 years ago would have been like, I am not teaching this. This is garbage and I'm doing something different. And you, like, I would have come in, like, again, with that arrogance and that ego thinking I know everything and everybody Mm -hmm. needs to be like me. Where now I'm like, I, I'm not going to change anybody's mind, but I know that I can change things in my classroom with my instruction. And that did way more to, to support change. And to create change in our school than me, you know, a dying on a hill and uh, right. in a way that is forceful and aggressive and defensive, you know. So, right. um, and we've seen a lot of changes already this year because I, you know, people asked and I shared. I didn't, you know, go in, you know, storming the gates.
0: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So. And I think that's a great lesson even for life, right? So mm-hmm. I, I said, I live in Florida now. And we know that Florida is a, a different place. We've got amazing weather, but there's there's also interesting people and mm-hmm. um, interesting decisions are made on a, on a daily basis. But I think that in, in life in general, there are a lot of us that spend too much energy trying to convince others how to live their life. Right. In education, right or wrong, we're in an age where we are told For safety to close our doors every single day. Right. Right. So close your door and Mm -hmm. do what you want to do. There are certain things that, you know, are are non-negotiables. We get it. But spend your time trying to convince yourself to do what's right and learn into what's best for you and your kids. And then when people come and ask you questions about the amazing results you get, then you can share. Don't spend all of your energy worried about the person across the hall or the entire school or the system and trying to change all that. Change you first. Right. And then go from there.
1: Yeah. And I realized too, and this is not to be insubordinate or rude or, you know, in any way like that, but I have noticed that there's a lot of power in, in silence too. Like Mm -hmm. we as teachers, we want to share everything that we are doing. And what I have learned over the last several years is that sometimes the best way to speak your truth is to say nothing at all because people eventually notice, you know, and, and if they want to know, excuse me, if they want to know, they will ask. Right. And I'm For not sure. in the business of changing anybody's mind.
0: For <laughs> so sure, we, we, you know we need. That's to be what I used to be in
1: the business of.
0: Be educational missionaries where you plant those seeds, never knowing when they're going to sprout. You don't always need to have the sandwich board telling all the teachers they're going to go to hell if they don't change their mind.
1: Yeah, I love that. I love that. And I love this last thing that that we're going to chat about here. And that is recognize that your job is not to create smaller versions of yourself. And we've already kind of alluded to that. So identify your areas of bias and work to amplify those in front of you as they are. I love talking about bias because I love talking about beliefs and how they Mm -hmm. can transform our next step. I mean, and in an instant, you shift your biases, you change your beliefs. I mean, you can change your world within a matter of days.
0: Oh. So will oh, you yeah. tell
1: us a little bit about that.
0: All right. So this is where you're going to want to shut me up because I'm going to get <laughs> rolling here, Amber. Um, <laughs> Let's do But it. the the idea of bias I know was in vogue 2020. It was everybody was talking about their biases and the things that they held on to their, their beliefs. And there were a, a lot of big ideas that we talked about, Mm -hmm. but a lot of times it's the micro ideas that we have a hard time giving up on. You mentioned the science of reading and you know, that is a big one. There are whole language people out there. There are phonics people out there. And you start talking about changing reading and people are going to dig in their heels. Mm -hmm. You know, I I would challenge your, your listeners to go through an activity, do this around the dinner table. The next time you're with your, your loved ones, but ask, ask the adults, what is something that they learned as a kid that they later had to unlearn as they got older. And you might get people talking about like that jolly guy on December 24th that comes down the tree. Mm-hmm. You might hear people talking about the little fairy that comes and places money under your pillow when you lose a tooth, and they'll they'll joke about those things, right? But then ask your educator friends, what is something that you used to believe to be true about teaching, learning, instruction in your first couple of years of teaching that you no longer believe? Mm-hmm. And it is much more difficult for people to identify those things because we have in our heads this belief that if I say that something I used to do is wrong, that means I did something bad or I was hurting kids. And that That's not the case. It's okay to evolve your thinking, to change your mind and to realize, wow, I was biased in some of the stuff I did simply because it was easier for me, because I believed that mentor, because I had a professor, I read a book, I, I you know, a little known fact. Every day, there are 4,000 books published, Mm. right? Anybody can publish a book about anything and proclaim to be the expert. Don't Mm. believe it just because you read it. I mean, don't believe it just because you're hearing me say it. Question it and question your own mouth and your own words just as much and recognize that you are biased. You have beliefs that taint your actions and it's okay to explore those and figure out what what your true motivations and intentions are.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And that's what I'm in the business of doing with burned teacher. And I know that I had to do that myself and I still have to do that myself. Like when I start to get riled up about something, I now have coached myself and done enough thought catching where I have to say, stop, like, is this the truth? Right. You know, and does this have to be the truth? And if it is in fact the truth, then what is it that you can do about it within my, within my own form of control, not trying to control other people? Right. Lord and knows we, there's yep. plenty of opportunities in education to practice that, right?
0: So true. We, we have a lot of things in education that we pretend to be the way when in reality, they're simply a way, right? Mm-hmm. When I remember when I first started off as a classroom teacher in those first couple of years where I was arrogant and thought I had all the answers, my mentor was a former uh, Vietnam veteran turned Marine drill instructor mm-hmm. who then transitioned into the classroom. And I remember him telling me, grades are going to be your greatest weapon, Dave, they're going to be your greatest weapon in the classroom. Pass them out like they're candy and then take them away just as quickly. Those Whatever you grade is it's going to motivate kids to do things they would never do before. And I bought into that hook, line, and sinker. My first two or three years, I mean, I was passing out points like they were nothing and snatching them back. And it wasn't until I did some unlearning and realized how harmful that truly was, just doing learning. And again, had another person that grabbed me by the shirt collar and said, Dave, read the research, look at this, and looked at practices that I changed my behaviors. And now that's what I spend the bulk of my time talking about is grading and assessment. But All it right. wasn't until I was able to confront a, a belief that somebody told me in the best of intentions, not because they were trying to be mean or manipulative. They truly thought that was best. And I bought into it. There are a lot of things that we do every single day just because we've always done it or because somebody told us whether we truly know why or not.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I love that. Always questioning your why and not just your why to teach, but the why that why you do things the way that you do or why you think Mm -hmm. or believe things the way that you think or believe like that is like the first step in challenging your own biases. Right. And not just biases about why we do in education, but biases about our students and Mm -hmm. how they come into our classrooms and how things should be or could be if this was different, like that can destroy you.
0: Yeah. So, so true. So true. And I'll I'll give people like something tactical to hold on to really Mm -hmm. quickly. So in in the course of my career, I've had the chance to hire several hundred teachers to work with me. And there's always three questions I ask at every job interview. Mm -hmm. The first was, what are you passionate about? What are you curious about? Who are you? Those sorts of things. Right. But the hardest question that I ask any teacher at any job interview is, at the end of the day, how do you know if it's been a good day or a bad day? Mm -hmm. And, And there's no right or wrong answer to that. But it is a super important question for any teacher to be able to answer and articulate because that's going to let you know what where your values are. What are the things that you resonate on, that you fixate on, that drive you day to day? And again, there's no right or wrong answer. Right. But be willing to think through that and identify it and own it and then measure it and figure out if you're actually hitting those benchmarks.
1: Yeah, I love that. Well, Dave, I, I have taken away so many wonderful grains of of knowledge to take with me. And I've been affirmed too because sometimes again I always question my own biases and my own beliefs and I feel like you and I are on the same page about a lot and I really love everything that you've said because i feel like it's applicable to leaders to help them to be better leaders of schools and districts but also really applicable for teachers to be leaders of their classroom and this is perfect because you have a podcast all about these things and bringing these two entities together so tell us a little bit about your podcast dave
0: absolutely yeah it's called the lasting learning podcast and it's a, it's a podcast that's gone through that journey um it's a po- podcast that i started off because i thought i had a lot of great things to say and I used to just pontificate and realize that nobody was listening and nobody cared what Dave Schmidow had to say. So then I started seeking out people that I recognized had a lot more wisdom and a lot more understanding than I did just about how life works and what are those big lessons that we all need to, to learn. I've had the opportunity to talk to some incredible people, some people just like you, Amber. <laughs> um, I've had like Melissa uh, from Melissa and Doug Toys. Melissa Bernstein's been on talking about her journey. I've had Jessica Leahy from the, the gift of failure on talking about her, uh, Ted Dentersmith, yeah. Todd Whitaker, just people that I truly admire as amazing people and just try to explore their stories and figure out what makes them ticks so that I can get a little bit better in the process.
1: I love that. And that's exactly why I love having people like you on the podcast too, because you stretch my thinking, you stretch my learning. And I know that it's going to help a lot of teachers that are listening to the podcast. So, lastly, how can people find you and learn more about you?
0: Well, if they can spell my last name, they will find <laughs> me in all the places because I am at Dave Schmidt on Twitter, Instagram, Facebook, I don't all all the places. So, um, Schmidt is S C H M I T T O U. So it's at Dave Schmidt. You can look me up. If you are able to find me in all those places, you'll also find my phone number. It's my actual phone number. You can text me and call me. I don't have a lot of friends, so it's a great way for me to fill out my contacts and uh, make some new connections wherever you are. So reach out.
1: Oh, Oh, please do. Send him a nice text. (laughs) Say thank you. (laughs) And of course, we'll have links to all of his um, social media, his website and his podcast, everything in the show notes. Well, Dave, this was such a pleasure to get to be on the other side of the mic with you and to get to learn more about you. And I'm just so grateful for your time today.
0: Absolutely. Thank you.
1: All right, everybody, take a deep breath because you just took another step to becoming a burned in teacher. Burn on. Thank you so much for listening to today's episode. To keep this conversation going, connect with me on Instagram at burnedinteacher. I'm always ready and willing to have a conversation with you about your burnout and ways I can help you to move through it. If you're looking for support in growing through your burnout in ways you never thought possible, check out my online course, Burned In Teacher University at burnedinteacher.com course. I'll see you in the next episode. Burn on.